Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, chock-a-block with chums and chortles as we cherry-pick the choicest chunks of chat we can chuck at you about our new Chilean chap. Chilean football expert Adam Brandon joins us and everything else opinion expert Edie is also with us. First up, he's here and he's perfect. That's as the club account put it. Adam, talk to us about Nunez. Did I move my nose enough when I pronounced it? Yeah, I think uh, I think I think that was just fine, Tom. So Marcelino Nunes, what what do you want to know? He's been playing regular football now, pretty much since sort of uh, when Chilean football sort of restarted after after the pandemic, which was around sort of August twenty twenty. So he's had, I would say, two years of regular football in 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 the in the top league in in Chile. Um, in terms of the standing of the top league in Chile, it's uh, I would say the technical level is is you know not too far off sort of championship standard, but the worry would be the difference in intensity between the Chilean league and the championship. Um, yeah, the championship is is much faster, much more intense, um, and I think. That would probably be the main reason I would say that he 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 will definitely need um a few weeks to settle I would say both um well he's obviously gonna need that off the pitch anyway he can't speak the language he's never been out of Santiago in his life um you know apart to play apart from playing football matches um and uh yeah so uh, he he did have a I was I was reading the other day that in his teens he did have a short um experience in both uh, Northern Ireland um and I think he might have said Manchester as well he br- he briefly visited in his teens but he definitely definitely was in Northern Ireland to play the Milk Cup tournament in in Northern Ireland um a few years ago that was for his school team I think it was so um yeah, he, you know, he's he's pretty um, green, I would say, um, and and that would be a slight concern as well. So the intensity element that you mention, um, do you mean in comparison with the leagues, it's the speed or the physicality, tempo, intensity? Tempo, just explain yeah. it. tempo, like, right? Okay. Yeah, tempo more than anything, like. The time, the the amount of time on the ball that you get, um, I, I think in the championship, defensive midfielders are going to be a lot quicker at closing him down than they were here, um, and uh, yeah, that would be. But um, I would say that would be one of his biggest challenges that he has to overcome. What I will say is that certainly um, in his first year, in one of the one of the things that really caught my eye, um, even when he was at he was at youth level, was that he could play like one and two one or two touch passing. You know, he didn't need loads of touches on the ball. I would say that sort of over time, maybe he's he you know the bigger the role he's had in the Cotolica side, the more touches he's got, and he's and he's got more sort of confidence to go on dribbles and stuff, but. If the instruction to him is just keep it simple, just keep the just keep the ball on the move, I'm I'm pretty confident he can do that successfully 
as well. well. We know we've got a midfielder who likes to point and shout and, and kind of cajole. Um, Edie, from from what you've seen of uh, our early season, and obviously knowing the squad hasn't changed very much in terms of who we've played on the pitch so far, it hasn't changed at all. Have you got any particular... Um, is there a particular box that you are hoping that Nunez is going to tick that, that effectively Adam, you know, you want Adam to reassure or warn us about? I think the quality, quite possibly, looking at what I've seen so far, is a very deep, unbridled and innocent joy. And I think if we've got like a little weary team and maybe, you know, they're a bit down in the dumps, maybe they're a little bit lost... I mean, it, it, he he just looked like he was about to say football is life. <laughs> well, yeah, um, this is another reason why I've just always been drawn to this player in Chile, to be honest, because, yeah, he, he does play football with a smile on his face. Um I did, I did, I did joke to somebody yesterday when I when I said that to him that um, I'm sure the Carra Road crowd after a two 0 defeat to Rotherham at home or something will soon beat that out of him, but um, yeah, <laughs> but generally, yeah, he's uh, yeah he's he's such sort of a positive, um, happy guy, a little bit timid, very very humble though. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's quite religious from from all the interviews that I've I've watched with him as well. Um, and he says that, that that and his family are the like two of the things that keep him really grounded. Um, in sort of the dressing rooms he's been in before, both the Catholica dressing room and the Chile national team dressing room. He's been, you know, that that player that the older players, you know, really like to look out for look after a bit. Scruff his so, hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well losing so. two nil to Rotherham will keep anyone grounded. Um punt, <laughs> so, same question to you, Punt. We you know, ask A A B something yeah, I mean, that you want I'm, got on your mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm slightly less emotional than Edie when it comes to, you know, kind of these no. attachments and what I yeah, exactly. Um I'm really interested, I guess, Adam, in your opinion, because you've seen so much more of him than probably anyone else supporting Norwich City Football Club. It suggested via the journalists involved that actually it could be a number eight, it could be a number 10. I think he's maybe played a bit of his club football out wide when he was coming through, or he certainly occupied those positions. And my, I think we'll come on to this, but like my fear about Norwich this season is about the, I think it's most people's fears, is the supply line to, to um, Tamer Pookie. Like how... How much do you think he's going to be able to fill the void that, say, you know, is is still a gaping hole that Emi Buendia um, vacated? And I don't want to make the lazy, right, he's an Emi replacement comparisons, but I've already almost convinced myself that he's going to be the next Emi. So, you know, I may as well make them anyway. Um, yeah, I would I would steer people away from the Emi Buendia comparisons as much as possible. A, because they're not particularly similar players. I mean, they do they do share some attributes, but in terms of the roles that they've played on the pitch into their careers to date, but there's there's not very many sim- similarities there as well, apart from sort of the ability to play quite a nice through ball from time to time. So that that should be music to Timo Pukki's ears. Um, my feeling and from what Smith has said 
and from watching the player, I'd be very surprised if we used him anywhere other than on the right side of the three in a 4-3-3. Certainly to start with. Um, going which, forward. Which three? Yeah, if, 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 huh? Which three? Middle three or forward Middle three, three yeah. Middle three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, on the right side of the middle three, yeah. Uh, again, I'd, you know, with Buendia, we'd put him on the right side at the top of the pitch. Um, yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't expect to see Nunez there, um, mainly because I, I think he can offer quite a bit defensively. He's got a great engine. engine. Um, I, you can expect to see him going box to box, um, which I believe Sara, a player, even though I'm based in South America, I watch hundreds of hours of South American football a month. I personally, I haven't seen tons of him um, over the years, just one or one or two games. But from the people who have seen him over the years, you know, he seems to offer a bit of a engine and box to box element as well. So, if you look at how the teams functioned under Smith so far, I think you can expect plenty more running. Um, from them, um, whether we can form the patterns of play needed to create more chances is uh, is I think the concern we all have as Norwich fans under Smith at the moment. Because let's face it, we haven't really seen much of that so far. But if you're asking Nunes to play sort of a more technical role, he can he can definitely do that, and he's played under various different managers with various different ideas and systems. So, um, yeah. So if he's, be, on, if he's on the right of the three, if he's on the right of a midfield three, then that yeah. obviously means it's, it's him in front of Max um, and then behind one of Ida, Sargent, maybe Rashica if they mix things up instead of him being on the left. Um, if he's good defensively and he's got a good engine, you'd almost rather he be on the left because I feel like, you know... Dimmy needs someone else to help him on on the left more so than than Max does, especially based but on. But is it typically like Adam? Do you think? Because typically, I think when Smith plays that four three three. But when when Smith plays that four three three, I think like the three, the middle three, are quite narrow anyway, and it's it's the wingers like kind of up top in that top three that will give you the width. Is he is he suited to a more central role? Is that your view that he's more of like a a number eight than a number ten, or you know like? Is is that the kind of in the realms of the, of what we're talking about here? Well, he's definitely comfortable playing a number ten role as well. And I was going to come on to say that because I've seen sort of a few debates as to where Smith can sort of take the squad um, tactically and formation wise and forward. You know, if if we were to go back to a you know a favourite of a four two three one, where you've got you know Hayden or and Gibbs or Hayden and McLean holding, for example. Um, and then, you know, you've got the three in front. And, you know, in, in that kind of system, I'd then be more tempted to have a look at Nunez in sort of in the hole, really, behind, trying to thread those through balls like what we used to see from Steeperman or um, or Dowell, who's played that role sometimes before as well. Um, That's the interesting thing for me is th- th- when I've seen, you know, um, thinking about him being creative and linking the play from back to front. Campwell is the one that seems to be in form, um, and if he can be a foil either the other side of the pitch uh, or 
just behind um, Campwell and, and and help give Campwell someone or, or give the defence, you know, the, the the when we're in possession, give the opposition another problem to think about to free up Campwell more. Um, then that, that's that's what that's what excites me. But I mean, really, really to Edie's point, <clears throat> and, and slightly touching on on the Cardiff performance now, I, it's it, it's a it's a squad crying out for a breath of fresh air. And we were all worried about naturally only signing injured people and 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 kind of a hangover. Edie, how much do you think the fans need? a couple of new faces almost as much as the team does. I, I was really taken aback last season at Sergeant's reception. I know he hasn't had a good time, but he's got that sort of vulnerability that I was really surprised that some people went in studs up on him. Um, I, I still am obsessed with the idea that actually, given the right moment and the right psychology for him, he actually could repeat some of his most giddying moments on more regularly. So it's, I, I think, some more characters that people can kind of get to know and see that they're part of Norwich and then get behind them that way rather than, I don't know, it's it's been a very weird time where we have these pressers from Smith where he just doesn't sort of use any psychology as much as he just sort of talks about how annoying we've been or how we've, we've been satisfactory in our levels of support, whereas... I don't know. I think if if we don't have a manager to do that, it would be lovely to have a couple of players who can act as a bridge uh, that sort of, you know, we can actually root for, even if they're not doing brilliantly at the time. Because no one ever did better from being criticised heavily and booed. Now, Hayden's our only chance for a new face to do that because he's the only one who's going to be able to speak English well enough you know, in, in the coming weeks and months to be able to, to be that coach. I mean, I, I made no bones about it last season and, and in the, and in, you know, in the preview that Smith needs to fix the, Smith needs to take responsibility for um, the, the current lack of belief that the supporters have in him. And whilst he seems to want to have a, um, I get that he plays the whole. Oh, I don't look at the table. I don't look at social media. Oh, what's what's my face? I've never I've never logged onto that. Oh, my my son goes on the Twitter, but I don't do that. That that's not that's not acceptable in today's game, unless you are winning loads of trophies or winning loads of games, or you have got, for example, Shakespeare or some other or a very very vocal prominent maybe younger member like a Campwell. A who hype is, man. <laughs> yeah, you've got someone else who's doing that job to such a successful degree for you that actually you can genuinely kind of tune out from it. Um, I read an interesting article interview with Ben Kensal, who's now at Hibernian, about how much he was pleased with the communicate. He listed a bunch of things that he was pleased that went well at Norwich, and then obviously went on to talk about what he's doing at Hibernian. Um, and one of the things he mentioned was the the legacy of the kind of the communication and the fan engagement that he left behind. And things did improve a lot under his under his watch, and it's. I, I still think that that is the. I think that Smith could, um, could have avoided some of the criticism that he's coming under on, after just ninety minutes of football or ninety seven minutes of football, um, if he just. I mean, to to your point, Edie, many times before, 
if if he had a brand consultant or spent a bit of money on PR for him specifically from a football point of view rather than the football as a club point of view, what do you think, Punt? Do, how, does he fi- how does he fix that? I think it's pretty simple. He needs to win some football matches. Um, you know that that's all, that's all it comes down to. And I've spoken to people in and around the club, and you you know you get a couple of wins, and suddenly the mood with the players is really different, and the mood with the fans is really different. If we go and beat Wigan, you know, three or four nil. It's really simple. But I think for me, the bit that I worry about, and again, it probably all evaporates if we win a couple of games, is he looks jaded to me. He looks tired. He looks like a man who managed his boyhood club, was really excited about it, really loved it, and then got binned off and jumped into something quite quickly on the rebound. And that scares me. Whether he can get his mojo back, I have absolutely no idea. And look, Let's all hope we have fun finding out. But I mean, I think when Smith joined us, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on this this podcast, you go rooting about YouTube because I'm interested in the people at the top of our football club being inspirational leaders or, you know, kind of decent, or have decent leadership qualities. And I watched, it's probably like a 25 minute video where he's giving a talk at, um, I think it was the University of Birmingham to some business students or something along those lines. And he was thoroughly engaging. Like you really kind of bought what he was saying and you could tell he was riding the crest of a wave and he was confident in his own ability. And then I contrast that with, I went to the the fan social club evening, which was, I don't know what, a couple of weeks ago and him and Shakespeare are there. And Shakespeare was really good, I thought, you know, on the night and, and spoke eloquently and seemed to have personality about him. And Smith just seemed quite, withdrawn and I think I think he's lost something of himself that we need him to get back really quickly and so I do hope it's it's as simple as let's win a couple of games but I'm not I don't know but there's just a niggling part of me and it's it's too early in the season for that for me to go all right all in on like he might not be the man but actually these new signings there is a lot of pressure um, because people are now going to say well this is your team and actually that's tricky when you've got two South Americans who don't know the culture or the country and a lad who's coming back from a really long-term injury. So it, it does worry me. And sorry, Adam, I, I know you've been trying to chip in. Please say no, more. It, better was, things than me. No, it was, it was just actually you brought up a point that I was going to bring up tonight on. I think that is sort of one of my biggest concerns about Smith is that I'm not sure he's psychologically recovered as, as you're saying, from the whole Aston Villa debacle. And then he's jumped into a relationship with a club that isn't fully recovered from their previous relationship with Daniel Farker, of course. It's so, a double rebound. Yeah, so it's a double rebound. It's, it's the ultimate sort of, you know, possibility of a toxic relationship going on where neither party is that happy and they wish they were with their ex. <laughs> do you know how it's... do you know how he behaves adam the, the, like you, you you're, you're bang on the way that i think he behaves it reminds me of and this this is when we score a goal <laughs> have we ever scored a goal <laughs> um, you know but we did win a couple of games and i and i you know i'm i'm fascinated similar to to punt you know i'm fascinated with with um how how people are leaders at the football club and 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 similarly to easy although obviously i don't have her amazing skill set interested in how people try and create a personal brand especially within football um and just how little he tried to capitalize on the moment 
I almost feel like he is managing our club in with the demeanour of a player returning to a former club and not wanting to celebrate too hard because he feels bad about it's almost like he doesn't I hope no Villa fans see any highlights of me sort of you know cheering or, or getting on with the Norwich fans too much I hope, I hope no Villa fans see a press conference where I'm saying you know this is our fortress there are times during presses when from Smith's body language he goes into full like I'm just here to do a job and it just feels a bit like he got uh his new amour Squeeze. has told him all sorts of things about how dreadful the ex was. Uh, and, oh, yeah, you know, oh, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. You can come along. You can you can fix me. You can make yeah. all my dreams come true. But, and actually, yeah. he's, it's really dawning on him that it wasn't just the evil ex. It was a deep-seated uh, malaise. Yeah, I mean, so, so let's let, let's kind of look at the Cardiff game specifically. Um, I watched it um, in full, um, getting progressively more frustrated. Not so much with the <laughs> result because you lose games in the championship. You can lose several and still win the league. You can lose loads and still be in the playoffs. More just with how predictable the bluntness of our attack was you know, and, and that's you know a point that you has already been brought up this evening and um, we're recording this on on the Wednesday evening and um, this week before the Wigan game at the weekend and um, it was just all of this all of this nice kind of positivity of you know, oh, what didn't didn't the preseason tour look nice don't the lads seem to be getting on doesn't you know haven't we got a good squad at this level really and then you just thought oh you've done exactly what we all thought at the back of our minds or dreaded might happen which is put together one or two half chances, really. I mean, look, if to- if Todd takes that chance with a bit more authority in, what, 17, 18 minutes, you know, early on, within the first 20 minutes, we won nil up and all of a sudden, obviously, it's a, it's a game of sliding doors, ifs and buts. But from that, that was, for me, there was then that other one where it should have been squared or it was squared and it shouldn't have been in the second half. We should not be going to a, to a team who are going to be in the bottom eight this season, at the end of the season, more than likely, uh, who are still finding a shape and got seven new players. There's no way we should only be creating two proper chances away from home. So, so John, what what's your what do you think he can do this weekend? I mean, I, I would say with with some with some of our fan base, it's already must win irrelevant of how wrong that might yeah. be. Yeah. It's I think must you're right. win already for family. So what, what do you think he might do? What would you expect him to do to try and change things on Saturday? What I expect him to do and what I think he should do are probably two different things in so much well, as I expect him. Yeah, exactly. But what I would say is that he seems quite insistent on four, three, three, and he seems quite insistent on players out wide who can run at people or who can get across into the box. And I just don't think it plays to to team his strengths. And and that is the main concern for me, is that if we haven't got players from deep who can play those passes to our strikers, I don't know where goals come from. Now that could be and that is on the proviso that we're a team that's set up to win the ball and to keep the ball for a little bit of time. And it seems like that's where Smith wants us to be, is that you know, not necessarily massive Daniel Farker possession based football, but actually it looks like we're trying to play it out from the back if we can. Um, you know, to play 
not massively intricate football. It's just slightly quicker from A to B than than Farker. But at the same time, you know, we're looking to be relatively progressive in, in, in our play. But as Adam touched on, the patterns of play worry me because it's it's abundantly obvious. There are none. Exactly. It's, and it, but it, it could all change on a couple of key players actually being in the right position. So for, for me, I don't think you see... Puki thrive unless he has a number 10 and, and I would point to the evidence of when Kieran Dow played and I don't know if it was in a conventional 10 last season but when we went to Old Trafford probably our best performance of the season you know should have come away there maybe even with a win but at least a draw Dow chips in with a goal and an assist Puki scores and actually looks really lively because he's got someone threading balls for him and it just feels like we need to start playing someone either as a conventional 10 behind Pookie or someone who's a wide 10, like a Dow, like a Campwell, like a whoever it might be in an advanced position that can find the striker and can find a striker in, in a way that plays to Pookie's strengths. And if we don't do that, I don't really see where the goals come from unless you've got players like Nunez or, or Sara running from deep and then you're just wasting Timu, aren't you? You know, let's be honest. You know, we've got a, a striker who's fully capable of scoring 25 goals again in the championship and hitting 100 goals for this club. And, and we know that will get us out of this division if we get him fit, firing and, and this service. That has to be the priority. Smith knows that. He said that in post-match comments. I just think that he's all... He, it's almost like he thinks that crosses is, you know, to Puki are, are going to be the answer. And I just never, ever think that they will be. And the, uh, the horrible alternative is that we then stick Hugo up there and, and see what happens. And I just, he's not up to a season as a frontline striker in the championship or at the top end of the championship anyway. I, so I, I, I think I don't agree with that last bit. That. What about Hugo? Well, I don't think yeah. he's a, as a two. serious 46 <laughs> games. Maybe as a two. If you're going to play, fans. play. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but the, yeah, you've got, you've got again. It's about the culture of how you set up to play, and whether or not you're whether or not you're you're bought in because you're trying to get over the line, and and there are other things, there are other reasons why they didn't get promoted. That might with with but Hugo, he didn't rip I, it up at Cardiff either, did he? I get your point. No, I think he Cardiff, could play as a two, but, but I don't Cardiff, want us playing two. Cardiff up front. finished eighteenth because they got a terrible team, and they had to basically get rid of everyone and have a fire sale to try and to try. And, they're in a complete rebuild, tear it down job mm-hmm. with, with like 12 people going to watch them so i i when it comes to like loan loan situations it's about minutes it's about fitness it's about trying to trying to do the right things and keep yourself effectively match ready match sharp as long for most of the season rather than necessarily you know there is there are some loan spells like todd at fortuna Citad or whatever or um youngsters where you send them out to, to specifically try and get them more ready like James Madison for the next mm. step. And then there's yeah, a case yeah. of, you, you look, your fourth choice here, you may as well try and get as many minutes as you can somewhere else. Look, if it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, we're not exactly going to hold it against you. That's my yeah, view yeah. of the Hugo situation. Going back to what you said before about if you're going to play a wide game, then play 4-4-2 and, and, and effectively play Hugo, and, which, which worked for two and a half games in, in the Premier League. You know, with it was Eder and Pukki rather than Hugo, mm-hmm. obviously. But play four four two if you want to play wide and you want to play kind of possession out into wide areas. So I I wrote a long rambly rant of series of messages on Saturday night to a pal of mine who works in in football coaching. Obviously, you know, not like you and I pump without our badges. And I basically said that I don't have badges, but the thing that the the main concern I have, um, whilst also saying. 
you've got to give mate games how even if we're bottom you've got to give mate games until you press the smith out button because football so many tiny sliding doors moments could mean we could win the next three or four um but the, the biggest concern is that i cannot point to a single thing that has happened in any of the last four or five premier league games where we were still relevant you know don't include the ones where everyone had switched off um the ones like the united games um Brentford, etc., uh, and also Cardiff, the Cardiff game on Saturday, and to be honest, the preseason games. I can't point to. I love that thing we do where Rashika does this and Pookie does that, and then Sergeant runs in behind. Do you see what I mean? Whereas with I do. no unspoken vibe to tune into no. and learn to anticipate after repeated watchings of games. Yeah. So when I the like, ball, when the ball is fired into on instinct. Yeah. So as soon as Steepy gets the ball. I'm looking at Pookie's run off the back shoulder. As soon as um, O'Neill has the ball, I'm trying to work out how much distance there is between the uh, the fullback and the, the byline because I know that he's going to try and do his next kind of football action when he's moved that fullback back because his role was very much down and run and run outwards towards the touchline and then dig in and create something. And so... The thing is, Smith has had long enough, and this is another point that we need to bring up because whilst I think you you do have to say to Smith that he hasn't had his he hasn't been able to field a single professional footballer that he's bought yet. There is that those elements, and there's plenty of them within the Alonkham Norwich family who effectively don't give him that benefit of the doubt at all, and say if you're a good coach, and we were told you and particularly Shakespeare are, how have you had this many months with this with a bunch of of players who we have seen putting good performances in both the first and second flight, and not been able to raise them up and make them better? Um, and it is a, it's a strong argument because um, yes, psychology is important, important, but you can't it can't be the entire thing. There has to be you ha- you have to be sometimes as a coach because of injuries. Even if you do pick your squad, even if you sign every player, sometimes as a coach you've got to put find a way of making those square pegs go into those round holes and result in goals and and, and results, right? And I just don't think we've. That that is my biggest concern. I would always, I would always choose a draw on Saturday, but we create the same chance four times than a win due to a fluky goal and there's still no pattern. Does does that sound bonkers to you, Adam? No, I don't. I don't think that sounds bonkers at all. But sorry, Adam, he asked you the question. You go on, mate. (laughs) Um, No, no, it doesn't. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I would. I would probably, yeah, say the same thing. I, th- I think the first month or even two months of a championship season, although you shouldn't completely write it off, I think there. It, I think it's been proven time and time again over the seasons that what happens in that first two or three months, um, in that first one or two months, isn't necessarily reflective of what will happen by the end of the season. Um, you know, just look at Forest last year, for example. Actually, one of the dreads I had, and I think I wrote this in my uh, Along Come Norwich preview, was almost we would get off to a too good of a start. And then we, and but there wasn't enough evidence there to maintain it. And then we fall away. And sort of by the end of the season, we, you know, we got nothing there. I think that potentially for me would have been sort of the worst scenario, at least with us, if we do continue. A slow start. I mean, it's only been one game, so um, 
I, I do see hope there, both in terms of, well, if Smith did suddenly manage to find a formula and turn it around, then we can build momentum from there, a little bit like what happened with Farker in, in the first uh, championship win, or even in the second, I, I mean, you know, famously, you know, um, he, he was he was struggling, wasn't he, after Derby away in that, in that second in that second season. So um, in that said- championship, so it's yeah. yeah, go on. Well I was just gonna I wanted to ask you the same question I asked Punt with regards to that transition from Cardiff into to Wigan. You know, what what do you what do you think he might do? Surely he's I mean he can't go same eleven because of Hanley, but aside from the obvious centre back change he has to make, surely he's gonna do something else as well in that front kind of six to try and influence the result. Well, I just, I know you have to really cycle your players during friendlies. You have to test everyone. You have to see how far you can push them, yada, yada. But um, I just sort of think that at the moment, for me, it's it's about the lack of communication that's there between players. And I don't think it would make any difference who got played where, because I don't think anyone's going to be talking to anyone else. Um do you know about the competence model? You start with conscious, uh, unconscious competence, conscious, no, incompetence. You start with incompetence. You start with incompetence and you start by not knowing how incompetent you are. Then you go to conscious incompetence where it's actually really painful because you know how incompetent you are. Then you move to conscious competence where you go, okay, all right, we're doing this, all right. And you, but you still have to think, but you do well. And then the goal is unconscious competence where it just flows. And we are so, so low down that, you know, a year ago I was thinking um, that I wish they just all went to some sort of stag do type bonding exercise or something, you know, maybe they could blindfold each other and fall backwards and doing some trust exercises. I don't know. I don't care. But nobody is talking to anyone else. And that's why you're not getting that kind of thing where if you have like a work wife or a work husband and you can basically communicate with only a glance, you would know that feeling of like you don't need to be planning or putting any schemes in place. You just know and you you just do. So something to do with that, what Adam mentioned, the long, slow building of a building of understanding, I think, of, of styles, of thoughts, of a collective approach. One, um, one thing I was going to ask you guys today, actually, is what did you think of Smith coming out after last weekend, the weekend before the start of the season? So after those friendlies in Scotland? and saying that he knew his starting eleven already at that point for Cardiff away. I mean... I think there was an element of, I think he was just hamstrung by the players that he knew he was going to have available. And that's where I think Tom raises a good point around the the change with Hanley. Because I think what we've got to do, that might be the first time I've ever said Tom raises a good point, but um, it's the the enforced absence of Hanley might then actually mean that we have to have a look at, uh, at Jakob Sørensen maybe playing centre-back because it's going to be him or Jonathan Tompkinson. You know, I don't see anyone else that's going to be able to play there given that Gibson seems to be pretty far away from, from any kind of match sharpness. And that means there has to be a change in midfield dynamic, doesn't that? Now, whether that's the industry and the, the energy of someone like Liam Gibbs who 
might just you know be a real positive influence because that's the thing that I I didn't see against Cardiff. What what I saw against Cardiff was a a performance whereby defensively we looked relatively sound. Like I I'm not a massive fan of XG as a metric, but that that hugely backed up the fact that we restricted Cardiff to basically nothing. Um, yeah, but we were but we were poor going forward. And I think if we can retain the good elements of what we did, because defensively we did look really organised and really well drilled and just moved Cardiff into places where maybe they didn't want to be and then we took the ball back off them. But where we were poor was, I felt like it was getting the ball forward quickly enough. And actually Lungi, he's quite considered, isn't he? He's it, like He looks like a continental player where he'll look to play sideways and retain possession rather than than maybe actually get it forward quickly I don't think that's Smith's style I think that's what he needs to to address that issue in terms of he wants he wants the ball into his front three quicker well, now, whether that's through you know a Nunez or a Sara or someone driving with the ball or moving it quicker I think I think that's where we need to see Norwich progress now actually one of the what one of the reasons I went to um, see Marcelino Nunes' final game in in the stadium here in Chile on, on Saturday and was literally just to watch him for 90 minutes. I mean, I didn't really take in a great deal of the other game. My eyes were pretty much focused on on just his movements and, and, and what he was doing during the game. And one of the things that he did during that game quite a few times was get the ball, turn, and straight away play a pass down the wing. Um, you know, feeding the, feeding the two wide players um, in, a, in a, well, that day they actually played like a 4-2-3-1. So it was more sort of, he was more sort of level in the, in the starting formation with those two, two wide players. But it would work in a 4-3-3. I've seen him do it there as well. So playing a very quick ball on the turn right into the channel for for the wingers to run onto. And uh and yeah, and that and that created, you know, some set piece opportunities for Kotoloka in that game. And yeah, I I think, you know, so you know, when when you're speaking about that there just then, you know, that suddenly popped into my head and I thought, oh yeah, well, you know, that that is certainly something Nunez is is pretty good at. So um yeah, it's uh, it could be interesting to see if if all it needs is like two, three players that actually can play the style that Smith wants to implement uh, uh, to turn this around. Well, it's okay then. So just to wrap up on on New Year's for for this evening, what what would be your? And obviously, a lot of our listeners follow you on Twitter and what have you. But what would be your overarching? feeling that you think Norwich fans should take away from from the signing one I've heard this evening it's going to be a few weeks you think until he's genuinely up to speed even though he's been playing mainly because of the off the, the field side of things it, results might maybe force Dean Smith's hand to play him sooner than he'd like uh, maybe maybe have him on the bench on on Saturday with the hope that he won't have to use him well, we've um, got this League Cup game coming up, haven't we, next week? But yeah, that then, seems like a likely place to start him, a bit like Charlotte yeah. against Bournemouth last season. Yeah, but then that was also going to be my other point. That was going to be my other comparison. Fucking hell, don't say that. But if he scores two goals in a Cup game, um, then maybe he's got a bit more experience 
well, he has got more experience than Jollis to be able to then and um, utilize that and turn that into into momentum. Um, but yeah, other than those those couple of things you've already mentioned, you know, he's not Emmy. We get that. But do you think? Do you think that he has got the enough of the ability to to solve that that kind of um, supply line problem that we've got of getting from back to front in quick and creative ways? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm ultimately I'm going to back this player that I've been you know banging on about for years here in Chile. I, I'm not. I'm not going to like shy away and suddenly say oh I'm not sure he's good enough now that he's jo- he's joined Norwich I I I have total faith in him my my worry is that transfers players joining new clubs the way it kind of works out there's so many factors involved I mean it's, it's coming a bit of a cliche but you know it's it's true though you you only have to look at like the very top clubs who are spend around a hundred million on a player and then they're loaning them back to the club that they bought them from a year later or, or selling them for um you know pittance a couple of years later. Um to to show, you know, even the best coaches, even the best scouts in the game, you know, don't don't quite get it right. Um or or get it massively wrong in those cases I've just named. So yeah, I I think that this is a very intelligent gamble, to be honest, by the club. I think for the price that we're getting him, for the potential that he has, I mean, he's played 10 times already for Chile. And that's a Chile side that where young players have struggled to break through into over the last few years because the country and, uh, and certainly its national team are... are are kind of on a bit of a hangover from winning those two Copa Americas in 2015, 2016 with their golden generation. They couldn't let go of that team for years until it was too late. And Nunez is is one of those players that has broken through into the team and, and got regular minutes. Um, so if if you think of that in the in terms of ah oh, he's done that over pretty much any other young Chilean player coming through. That's a pretty big achievement in itself. So all of the coaches that have worked with him always say the same things about him. That, you know, how great he is physically in terms, especially in terms of his engine. They always say what a professional guy he is, what a nice guy is, what a humble guy is. And all of them who have worked with him also believe that he has the qualities to, to make it in Europe. Whether that's with Norwich City, we'll find out. I was interested, Adam. I know we're, we're trying to wrap up on, on this player at the moment, but if he'd have signed for, say, a Brighton and Hove Albion or a Crystal Palace, like would you would you be absolutely raving about that as a signing? And is it are you being a little bit conservative because actually all your eggs are now in one massive Norwich City shaped basket with you know one of your favourite players that you've seen domestically and you know your boyhood football club is there a little bit of nervousness and actually do you think that maybe because I know I've seen a couple of journalists kind of turn their eye or raise their eyebrows and say oh Norwich you know championship movement wasn't necessarily sure that was the one for him and maybe he could have gone straight into you know kind of a European 
um, top flight club. Is that something that you could have seen him adapting to? Yeah, I, I, I think there probably is an element of that. I mean, I, I, I am sitting here now and like with everything I'm saying, I'm trying to check myself not to be sort of too overexcited because I don't want stuff to come back and haunt me. So I'm trying to, you know, put clauses in pretty much everything I say. Um, where maybe, yeah, I wouldn't be doing that if he had signed for a Brighton, which, and Brighton, in my opinion, are the kings of scouting South America pretty much for value in the, in the last couple of years. I mean, um, Moises Casero, who they bought, is one of the biggest standout talents I've ever seen come through at 18 years old. I saw his debut in Ecuador and I was, and as soon as, like within 15 minutes of that game, I thought, oh, that's a player heading for the top. That's how obvious it was. And yeah, I, yeah, I get, you get that vibes about some players. And obviously, Brighton scouts were, were, were on that straight away. Another player similar to that, the Paraguayan that they've bought, who could have a bit of a surprising season, I think, this year for them, Julio Inciso. He's, um, yeah, he's he's another one that they've that they've obviously just got their scouts into places that maybe other teams or bigger teams don't necessarily look, and uh, and they've and they've found great value for money. And yeah, I just hope that with Norwich with this transfer they've done the same. I mean, there was only probably two players that I'd recommend to Norwich currently in Chile who I'd feel would be ready to sort of make a contribution. And one of them was Marcelino Nunez. The other player, weirdly enough, within about, well, it was the previous week actually, because Nunez signed for us this week. But yeah, last week, the other player that I really rate in Chile, Victor Mendez, he went to uh, CSK in Moscow in, in Russia. Do you think so, we could have a crowdfunder just in case he changes his mind? Because, you know... <laughs> that sounds like a deal that could end quite quickly. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> but well, let's let's see how Nunez gets on first. <laughs> if if he if he goes well, then maybe yeah, maybe let's start that crowdfunder to uh, to get Mendez as well. Um, yeah, I think they would complement each other well, actually. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fascinating story. He's a fascinating character i mean i'm sure a lot of our listeners have already seen the story that i put on twitter um where when he was just 13 years old um he he was driving to training and um and they uh, with it uh, his father was driving to training and um yeah and they saw two women at the side of the road struggling to replace a, a tire a pinch tire and um yeah, they, they helped them out and they happened to be producers from a show called Extreme Makeover and they were looking for 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 people from kind of poor backgrounds to um you know to, to do the houses up. And uh, yeah, they, they scouted their their house out and found you know, it was a perfect candidate and a uh, perfect family to do it for. And yeah, and so yeah, he was on he was on TV at thirteen years old, and um, and he and even then he was considered kind of a a promising player in the country because even then the presenters asking him uh, questions about um, 
you know, oh, what 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 will what will you give your family if you make it? Um, and he actually answered that question by saying love. <laughs> I like him. So uh, and the, the presenter went over to him and hugged him, and he was like, "Not not a car, not a house." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's he's already he's he he seems like yeah i don't know him personally but literally everybody that you speak to here in chile every story that you hear say that he's such a sweet guy humble guy and yeah and uh that that's the main thing for me you know if it doesn't work out you know don't get on his back i mean it's it's oh, a hell of a it's, a it's a hell of a move for him that's a point that's a point so, are you going to be? Um, are you if he maybe has a slightly rocky start? Are you going to be going gunning down anyone who's giving him grief online? Um, and and sort of, you know, we do have a uh, a section of our fan base who like to criticise and publicly criticise on social media and, and immediately jump to throwing people under the bus and personally calling out players. Um, are you effectively gonna gonna go searching for his name and be correcting people and getting people off his back? No, I, cert- I certainly won't go searching for his name. Uh, I think that's, I, I think uh, I think that's a quick road to insanity on Twitter if you if you start go searching for arguments. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but arguments come easily enough to me on Twitter without me going to search for them. Um, so no, I, I suspect that I get some stick as soon as he um, does something wrong in an orange shirt. But, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to make it clear that I do think that we need to be patient with him. I mean, it, it'd, be, it'd be amazing if he can contribute right from the start. But, you know, he, he's going to need time realistically. I think you'll be fine, Adam, in so much as when you were, and, and obviously this is an audio podcast and our listeners can't see Edie's face, but when you were describing how much of a lovely, lovely boy that he was, Edie just got closer and closer to her camera. Like she was absolutely, just, yeah, it, it was just a lovely boy. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it was a little bit creepy how close she got to the camera at that point, <laughs> but just think you're going to have his back now, just from what Adam has said. Yeah, I'm going to be like one of those old women cool. during World Sport Wrestling. Let's go on to some... Um, to sit at the front uh, row with the umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go on to some, um, some listener questions, please. <laughs> you want some listener questions? All right, well, let's start with... Adam, you've probably seen it, but from Daniel Kelly. And he says, given that um, Adam is a Chilean football expert and we've just signed our first ever Chilean... What do you think is the biggest animal that you could cling film to a lamppost? And I'm going to just say that you can't use one of those industrial size like cling films where you can wrap it round, and you Airports. have to do it all yourself. Yeah. Um, so there's no assistance. Like it is all you. Can I, I think. can I can I use a ladder? That's key because when I was thinking about this question Ooh. earlier, I did Go think of an animal, but then I need to know whether I can use a ladder or not because it would Mate, be a draft. If, if you can. If you can use, you can cling oh, yeah, film it from right. the neck. All right, and yeah. it's, and it's, so it's pretty big. So, you, so you would obviously go for sort of yeah, a, a big ant, but but has kind of a narrow part to it. Yeah, so a giraffe is what I came up with in the end. All right, uh, Edie, have you got any advances on that? Well, I was thinking more like something with a really solid center of gravity. 
because providing you can kind of like catch it once, um, it's very hard for it to thresh around and loosen itself. So I, I was thinking more like a bear, uh, a polar bear. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Don't fancy your chances there. You just have to stay behind the bear as long as. But you we're stay talking about with like supermarket cling film, mate. Like a yeah. polar bear. You just like you just have to have a long enough roll, and you can do it like a maypole at right. a distance. You need All some right. serious girth on your lamppost as well. Well, I also think we should now start a crowdfunder to get Edie a lamppost and you know a, a trip to the Arctic, and then we can all just you know strap a camera to her and watch it go on because well, like this Narnia. is going to be amazing. <laughs> I don't think the cling film would perform well in those temperatures. So, so you, you have to move the polar bear. The plan falls down. That's the one element of that plan that doesn't work here. Yeah. Or if you got dropped into the jungle, like in Lost, and those polar bears turned up, and maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't stay All with right. it as long as the polar bears. Were there polar the bears? Polar bears were early doors. Polar bears were early doors, mate. Yeah, like series one. Series. Yeah, series one or two. They couldn't really afford a whole polar bear, though, so they just hinted at it. If, and they never really explained explain it, it either. Like, it was just a bit weird. Well, that's just lost all over, it's isn't it? all those portals. Anyway, let's have a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, what was your Stuart, animal? My, I haven't even thought of an animal. I thought maybe like a pig. He's not a Chilean football ambitious. expert. We I wasn't went, as we ambitious as it. you guys. Like, I maybe went with a pig because I thought I could just about wrestle it with one arm and then cling film it with the other, but... They're Giraffe is a good answer. You couldn't yeah, yeah, they film prob- me to a lamppost. I can try. No. Also, you get one of those really fat, sleepy bears. A hibernating bear. Well, yeah, post-hibernation. You know when you get the fat bear season? They're, they're some big-ass bears. Fat bear season. When does the fat bear season start? Um, they do it on Twitter every year. It's sort of round about May, and then they just basically look at the biggest possible bears. It's all out there for the taking. Is it like get the horsey hashtag. seals, where like the big boys kind of get on the exactly on the dunes? That. All right, yeah. okay, I'm just with you. Big, beautiful, independent bears that don't need no man. Stuart Wardrobe asks, "What one thing are you hoping will have changed on your return to Carrow Road for this season, but sadly expect to be exactly the same?" Tom Parsley starts off. Uh, Malcolm's conservatism. Um, that's he doesn't old, listen uh, to this podcast, then. No, that's for old listeners. <laughs> old listeners' benefit. Um, I would like there to be uh, an expectation to win games. Um, that's what I would really like. I'd like us in the not too distant future to turn up to to Carrow Road, expecting to see a few goals in the right end, uh, and you know to to expect to be walking out again full of joy rather than expect an ordeal. Edie? Um, I I would just like to pay tribute to the fact that we've had a fairly normal couple of months on Twitter from Norwich. And I just I just don't think we, we should take enough time. I don't think we take enough time to appreciate the fact that that happened. It's been like an endless cavalcade of high-octane insanity. And... Um, the worst, really, that I've seen is is the use of jargon that they're tending to veer towards. Lots of lots of content they call it, showing us their content. They've got a walk-in retail kiosk coming. Uh, I I just a shop. Are, are you not? <laughs> so I've come off um I've come off Twitter outside of just looking at listener questions again. Um, as because the Cardiff, the Cardiff game, or rather the reaction to the Cardiff game, just really depressed me. Um, more the reaction to it, 
the lack of patience with it. We've got a question about that. Annoyed we'll me more than the, annoyed me more than the result. What was the question on that? So it's from Twitterkers, which is actually like a, a an account which is exclusively in tribute to Michael Bailey's podcast. So I'm I'm very surprised that the Twitter's NCFC Twitterkers account has asked us a question. But you know, privileged that they now listen to us as well. And they've said, on a scale of one to Arsenal fan TV, how much has Norwich Twitter overreacted this week? Don't they mean about overreacting to the arrival of a super special happy boy? That's what I took that question I I think it's how we've overreacted to the result. Yeah, I took it. Yeah, I took it as that. Just, sorry, just you, you, you know too much about branding to let this go, Edie. Are we going with a lovely boy or a happy boy? I like happy, lovely boy. I, I, you know, we've got to like really load that on. Okay, fine. Um, like, so, like great big bushy beard. You see, that's that's where we need to be heading. Okay. <laughs> Answer right. the question now, Thomas. <laughs> okay, who's going to have a bushy beard? Sorry, Nunez. No, just get veer away from that. We're right. going down a rabbit hole we cannot possibly climb out of. Just okay. answer the overreaction question. Right. So I, I think it was, I think if you put a microphone in front of those people uh, and they'd had a couple of pints, you would have been able to record some snips as ridiculous as the ATV stuff. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of it's one game and yes, it's annoying and yes, but but he hasn't had, he hasn't had any new players and yes, he hasn't made anyone better, but then he has brought Todd, Todd back into the fold and Todd does look really good and he does seem to have motivated players like Max uh, who who might not necessarily be motivated to go again in the championship I, I thought Max had a good game on Saturday um, and you know it is only the first game and we did have a chance to get in the lead early on and we did limit them a lot of chances and yes it's really annoying because we all wanted to just win 3 or 4 nil. And, and on paper our squad is far better than them yes it's really really annoying but we seem as a fan base and it might be all football fan bases, social media, etc. It might be. But as a fan base in particular, we seem to have completely lost the art of just going, oh, it's annoying we lost, isn't it? Anyway, right, let's see how we get on next week. We just do not seem to be able to do that anymore. We have to just go, well, what's the reason? There must be a reason. What are we angry about the most? These are the six reasons I'm angry. The frustration for me is not being able to just to say that in, in an almost calm fashion... We know that we know that there's players to, to, to come back. We know that Smith doesn't have uh, doesn't have a winning record yet. We we know all of that. So I think there has been some overreaction to one result. Look, if we get to five or six games and there's still no pattern, the new lads have started and they don't look up to it. Hundred percent, I I I will be um, losing my excrement the same as everyone. But we've got. I just think people need to chill out a bit after one game. Do you not think, though, the extenuating circumstances, devil's avocado here, I, I'm not a, a post-game ranter, I don't see the point in it, but I can see how a disappointment is a very powerful human um, reaction and emotion. There's nothing more powerful than disappointment in terms of triggering emotional explosions. And the last half of that game was like somebody, like Jimmy Webb said, left a cake out in the rain. It was smeared all over the asphalt and... Do you think that people would have been quite as as histrionic had it not happened that way? Just saying, just wondering. It was really frustrating, but it and and as as I put on 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 the, the social media before, I realised I really shouldn't tweet after games because I just say things that I think should stay in my head. Um, 
unless we won and then it's fine. Um, being having to put up with shit housing from a team that you you haven't heard of any of their players is and more annoying and harder to take because you just think we should not be in this situation. You should not be able to keep kicking this ball away and wasting time because we should be doing that to you because look who look what's available to us how have we not managed to shape that so i i think the way that they the way that they were behaving sawyers for example very good shit housing um i think that wound us i and also we saw as fans we saw our players wound up it, it really got to them i don't think we were very well prepared for the mental side of what we're going to have to deal with in the championship which is if any team Outside of the four or five that can probably play football, if we were to get to our, um, if we were to meet our potential, but there are only three or four teams really with the squads with the technical ability to play football the way we could play football. Most of the teams we play against, if they get a goal against us, it is going to be full on slow the game down, little uh, niggly tackles, kicking the ball away, taking ages over throwings, taking ages over free kicks. And it seemed to me like that was a completely novel concept to our squad. And they got really angry really quickly. Like with, Still with like 25, 30 minutes left, they were getting really angry with the linesmen over free kicks not going their way, throw-ins not going their way. And you think, lads we've still got half an hour yet. Yes, it's annoying, but this is a standard part of the game. And if anything, it happens more in the championship than it does in the Premier League. Agree. Hard agree. Anyway, that's all the questions, I think. Okay, so let's round up with uh, uh, an absolute cast iron guarantee uh, of predictions for the weekend. We didn't do very well the first week. Um, Edie, what is the score going to be on Saturday? And give me one of the scores for one of the teams. Mm. On one hand, I want to say, oh, Wigan easy, Pappy. Let's do Wigan. Let's do them. But no, I, I feel like it's going to be a draw. I, that's just my waters because I'm being tentative. I don't want to create any disappointment. Okay. Uh, Adam, score and one of the scorers. Yeah, I've got a feeling our home form's going to be okay, actually. Um, I think it's the away form which is going to sort of be called into question over and over. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for uh, a 3-0 win. And uh, yeah, the la- and to stay on brand, uh, the last goal uh, scored by substitute Marcelino Nunez. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> um Punt, you are you are on on on. I acknowledge that you're here. Come on, give us a, give us a score and a scorer. I'm going to go for a scrappy, but with glimpses of the performances that we want to see from Norwich, a scrappy one nil, and I think Josh Sargent might get one in off his ass, a la Dean Coney against Aston Villa in 1989. I think it was. So many layers to that that prediction. Um, I. I, I think we I think we do a win. I think there'll be too much positivity and looking at again same mistake as I made with the Cardiff team, but looking at who we're going to be playing, where they're at, how badly their transfer um, policy seems to have gone, um, players leave, more players leaving that they'd rather wouldn't, etc. Surely this, the same thing's not going to happen twice. And, and mentally, I think I think surely that our team are going to be better set up to to, to capitalise on that. Um, so I'm going to go for a two nil. Rarely, relatively comfortable um, result, and people will say, "Yeah, but it was only Wigan afterwards." 
that's that, and that will that will be the thing that's annoying. The, the, well, what? So we're not allowed to enjoy it because now, now it wasn't a hard enough team to beat. Um, Edie, thank you so much for your uh, big bushy beard, fat bear season, lovely boy, little weary team. I mean, just so many titles as always. I really appreciate spending time with you, Adam. No one else could have given us as much excitement about Nunez and I appreciate you trying to keep the powder dry uh, and not getting us too excited. But I think we can all tell really that you think he's probably going to be the greatest player to ever pull on the yellow and green shirt. Um, and punt, I acknowledge you exist. Everyone enjoy the Cheers, game. Bro. We're going to be back at Carrow Road in our living room soon. Mind how you go.